The good moments are being able to feed people the food that you love to make. I mean, seeing families come in here with a huge smile on the face when they leave and enjoying their time, it's, it has to be one of the best feelings. We love our city restaurants. We love the restaurants that we travel to right in the centre of our big Australian cities. But we live in the suburbs for the most part. And I think more and more people, business owners, chefs, hospitality professionals are realising that that can be where the action is. Today, we are heading to the eastern Melbourne suburb of Doncaster and chatting to chef Stephanie Stapleton. She has just opened and Ms. Jackson. Steph, welcome to Dirty Linen. Hi, Danny. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to have a chat with you. It's always exciting when a restaurant opens and it feels like there's a lot to talk about with Ms. Jackson. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. We um, we opened just o- oh, almost a year ago now. Um, it's been an incredible journey. We were a small 60-seater, moody, feminine restaurant um, that we just want to have locals come to really and love and enjoy as much as we do. And so what's the, what style of food are you doing there? And what's the offering like? What does the menu look like? Um, at the moment we're focusing on a, let's say modern Australian style menu um, with it being such a diverse area, such a multicultural, I think it really hits the nail on the spot. Um, being able to bring so many different cultures and um, into a menu, it just, it's the, the menu that kind of just comes together. It changes as the seasons change, um, wanting to try and harp on loving seasonal menus and everything like that, yeah. Um, What are some dishes that you're really loving cooking as we, uh, you know, get our teeth into spring? Oh, coming into spring, you know, needing to have a beautiful lamb dish on the menu at the moment that we're just about to, oh, look, you know, we're about to change, to be honest. Um, So having a beautiful lamb on is stunning and everyone's loving and loving to cook some we've got a beautiful kingfish on and it's just having as well beautiful vegetables from the area it's we're loving having so many vegetables on the menu as well ah that's that's really interesting and how do people use the restaurant because I think with those you know restaurants in the suburbs it's not always about you know the Friday night dinner it can be about you know weeknights with the kids or just a quick drop in um, after sport you know how are people using Miss Jackson oh definitely it's it's been uh, using Miss Jackson it's just having the locals here and coming in for a drink after work and just being able to sit outside and enjoy the sunshine that's now coming in and uh, whether it be just a table for two and having a special occasion and then sometimes down the line there'll be the families and the group bookings and it's pretty it's a venue that everyone can enjoy and as you said, like people coming here after family days and sport events and things like that as well. So it's a, it's a venue that everyone comes to and uses so differently. I mean, there's solo diners that love to sit on the bar as well. So, yeah. 
That's great, isn't it? I think it's so important to have a restaurant that can be all many different things to the people that that come there that live in the area. Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing like this in the area at the moment. Um, I think we've created a stepping stone of what something could be. Um, definitely in the area and for people to understand that it can also be it can be a, a special event venue or just something very casual as well and what's it like for you as a chef to sort of have all these different strings to the bow is it do you find it challenging do you need to make compromises or is it just something you just really relish oh look when we first opened, I found it so complicated and different from other restaurants that I've worked in. I've never, not knowing the Doncaster area and not, not growing up in this, in the northern suburbs, northern eastern suburbs, it's just, um, I found it so completely different with having to have, be so accommodating, I guess, to everyone. I know there's a lot of times that when we first opened, I was I was saying no to everything. I was like, no, they can't do this. No, we can't do that. No, we can't have kids. And you come to realise that as a chef, it's sometimes it's not always about you and you have to be more accommodating to everybody and their needs and wants. So it's very it's it's had its ups and downs and challenges. But now that we've been opened a year, I've kind of I've understood what the the locals are after and what they need. Wow, that is such an interesting journey to go on. I mean, was it how did like how did you flip that switch? Was it conversations with the you know the people you're working with or business mentors or was it just like the weight of the community desire? Like what what happened? It was a mix of everything, you know. I just I come to realize I'm like why why are we getting? Why aren't we getting the people here? What aren't we doing? And have, being able to reach out to some of my mentors, and they're like, Steph, you're in an area that might not be so accepting to the ways that you've been taught, and having to reteach yourself different ways of hospitality. You know, um, so reaching out and people that within our with our ownership group as well, they're like, you know, it's not the area for that and maybe you might just have to be more accepting are there dishes that you had on in the beginning that people just did not get or were not or they were not going to get around it and you had to change them whether it's simplifying them or changing the protein something like that definitely definitely I think when we first our first menu that we came out with um just didn't suit what we needed to do here and also having to find they're not them not under our customer base not understanding maybe the value of um the value of our of the seasonal growth or whether it be where um everything's farmed from and just having to change our ways and how to do that and trying to get that across to them and even teach the teach the customer base you know and our guests Steph can you be like really specific was there a dish that you're like okay Doncaster is not ready for this yet I think I put on I put on a I put on a raw tuna dish 
when we first opened and it was so beautiful and elegant and subtle and the flavour combinations were incredible and it went with um, – it was tuna, pea and fennel and it was incredible and I absolutely loved it. I said, you know what, everyone's going to love this and it just wasn't something that they would come to or whether it be – at the moment I've got some tigellas on the menu and they're like in a little Italian flatbread and it's something that – the name doesn't resonate to people. And I think if the name of dishes don't resonate to people, they're like, they're not willing to try something, which is very uncommon for me. I'm just like, you know, you call it what it is and they're going to, they're going to eat it and enjoy it. But it's not always the case, I think, for the locals. Wow, I just love how this is so interesting. It's just such interesting lessons for you as a chef. Um, it, it sort of makes me want to ask you to go back in time and just tell us about your motivations for getting into cooking and you know what you wanted to get out of it and perhaps how that's changed over time. Um, can, you, can you take us back to the, to the origins, Stephanie? Oh, from the very beginning, I grew up, my dad... He got me into cooking. He was a chef when I was very young. Um, I mean, he still is. Um, I've been in kitchens since I can remember, since I was three, being around restaurants. Um, I remember, I just, I remember being in this little Italian restaurant that he used to work in, and we'd go in there and we'd have the nonna, nonna, and we'd sit down and we'd we'd eat, and they would feed us, and that was kind of like that was our daycare. We wouldn't go off, my brother and I, we wouldn't go off um, to daycare. We would go and sit in the restaurant and look at everybody eating and enjoying and this sense of a, a family and a community within the restaurant. Um, it was quite quite incredible for me. I think the first time I stood in a commercial kitchen, I might have been five and I was standing there making the desserts with the pastry chef and not knowing then that that was what I was going to end up doing with my life. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. So, I mean, how did you end up becoming a chef? Was it just something that happened naturally or was there a point where you were like, no, this is what I'm going to do? How did it happen? I, I knew from the beginning that that was all I was going to do. I never had anything else in my mind that I was going to be someone that worked and sit down in office I'm a very hands-on person and I needed that stimulation of almost you know I needed that stress the stress to try to be in a kitchen it's just something that I've always knew that I was going to be and do. So how did your career progress where did, where did you get your training and um, what were some key milestones along the way? I, I, um, I started my apprenticeship down in Mornington um, at a little seafood restaurant called The Rocks. Um, and from there, it just, it just blossomed. I, I became and I grew more than what I expected. Um, from there, I went on and I knew that I had just had to keep moving on. And if for that meant that I just had to keep growing, going to then going on to somewhere like Jackalope with their team and opening it up with them at Doot Doot Doot, uh, that was an incredible experience. I mean, being there under Guy Stanaway and Elliot Pin was just 
a massive milestone for me being there. And I didn't know that I was I was going to come out of it, to be honest with you. Being a 20-year-old apprentice and finishing my apprenticeship there, I, I thought that was going to be the end. I was like, you know, I can't do this anymore. And it was it was a very hard time when I left there. I didn't ever think I was going to come back into it and be a chef anymore. I just, I thought there might have been a different way out, you know. Um, what was it that was so hard about it? I think, you know, there's some times when you're an apprentice and uh, your chefs, they want to push you and they want to get the best out of you and you're thinking maybe the hours are going to be too much or you're not doing the right thing or you're not you're not being pushed in the right direction but at the end of the day your executives and your head chefs they just they want the best out of you the the very best they can and I just didn't think that I would be able to sustain it. So did you take some time out like how did you come back into the kitchen? Definitely definitely I took some time out and that's when I came that's when I met the guys from the 095 group. Um, I went front of house for a little while and trying to get that love back um, for restaurants and <clears throat> that that's where it all blossomed. Uh, that's where it became again, you know. That's where I took some time out, took some time to myself and then you, the whole – Shutting a lot of restaurants shut down, and I didn't ever think that I would ever get back into it again. Um, yeah, it sounds like a really intense journey, Stephanie. And you know, for people who don't know Doot Doot Doot, it's a fine dining degustation restaurant on the Mornington Peninsula. It's part of the Jackalope Winery Complex, and I mean, I guess it's it, you know, when we speak about what you're doing at Ms. Jackson and how it's so sort of the neighbourhood kind of dictates to you what they want, and we think about a restaurant like Doot Doot Doot, which is customers go there for an experience to be taken on on the restaurant's ride. It's sort of like you, they hand over control of the experience to the restaurant. Um, so I can imagine, you know, it's so different to what you're doing now. Um, I mean, but you, uh, I find it really interesting that it was obviously a tough experience, but you also say that you got a lot out of it. I mean, how do you sort of reconcile those two, those two forces in your mind? Oh, look, it's so, the experiences that I had there were, Nonetheless, so, you know, you learn so much from that. You learn all these different cooking techniques and different ways of cooking that you never think were you'd be able to and being pushed to your limits. But being, being, being pushed to those kinds of limits makes you a stronger person. And at the end of the day, I've got those particular chefs in the back of my mind every single day saying ways that I need to cook something and how I conduct myself as a chef, you know. I think of them every single day. They're in the back of my mind and it's just an incredible learning experience trying to mix those two together. I mean, if you were to go on in your career and open your own little fine diner one day, do you feel like you would do it differently for your apprentices? Oh, 100%. I mean... At the moment, I've got, I've got a junior here and I think 
having a much more calmer approach and being more accepting and allowing them to go off and have go to their go out to their parties and their 21sts and um being more i guess relatable to them being myself being such a young chef and i've just it hasn't been so long since i've been through that myself and trying to relate to them a little bit more and i think definitely it's something to do a bit differently yeah, it's so interesting because, I mean, you're able to take those lessons and apply them now, but, you know, as you said, you almost weren't sure that you'd get back into the kitchen. There must be, you know, people who don't have your fortitude and, um, I guess, ambition and perspective that would be lost to the industry. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you have to as well surround yourself by the right people. If you don't have the right people beside you, then that's what that's what helps you through it as well. Stephanie, you mentioned 095, so that's the restaurant group that Ms Jackson is linked to. Um, can you tell me a bit about them and, uh, yeah, the relationship between the two businesses? Oh, it's, it's almost like one big family, isn't it? We're, where we are lo- located in Doncaster, we're right next door to 095. And us being next door, we can kind of lean on each other, I guess, for ideas and you know it's almost down to if something if we don't get something in from a supplier we can lean on them as well and it's just uh, it's an incredible experience them being open for oh I think they've been almost here eight nine years now um and they've created a reputation for themselves within the Doncaster community um to be able to lean off them as well it's just it's been really it's been amazing yeah, I only heard about Zero Ninety Five recently when I was chatting to Francesco Crifo, who's got Rochella in East Melbourne, and he told me the story of coming through um, Zero Ninety Five. And yeah, it's a it's a really renowned pizza place. Um, I guess if you're in the eastern suburbs or the northeast, you, you know about it. Um, I know there's also they've also got a place in Dramana. Um, so wood fired pizza. Uh, I guess pizza restaurants. Are all, know about neighbourhoods, don't they? I mean, most pizza restaurants, you wouldn't get people travelling across town to visit. I guess they're very much anchored in community. I mean, is, is it is it the lessons that they've learnt about uh, adapting the menu and the offering to Doncaster that have been really helpful? Oh, 100%. I mean, going to Zero 095, I think they've got quite a, a casual approach when it comes to food and it's a lot of what the locals love. Yeah. Um, and so are they sort of in and out of Ms. Jackson helping you with the day-to-day running of the business? Um, not as much. Myself and my partner, Francesco, he's our restaurant manager. Um, we're just kind of grinding here and, you know, getting to the nitty gritty of it all. <laughs> it's, it sounds <laughs> a lot, but it sounds kind of fun. Like how would you, you know, would you say you're having a good time? Is it, are you sort of in the thick of the challenges? How, how does it all feel? Oh gosh, it has its ups and downs every single day, but uh, we're definitely, we're definitely finding it a challenge, but loving it every, like I think, one minute to the next, there's something different. And I mean, one minute we're having a laugh and a joke about something and the next 
it's down to the serious business and there's all the challenges. What would you say are the biggest challenges, not even necessarily just for you, but for hospitality in general? Oh, hospitality in general, oh, the challenges, oh, there's, there's so many, to be honest with you. Um, especially at the moment, trying to to navigate and trying to get yourself an identity. Um, I mean, not having, I think, whether it be a chef or a restaurateur that is well-known to the community or well-known to the greater community of Melbourne, um, it's it's hard to start as a business, I believe, um, and almost, you know, doing it on your own and trying to find revenues that can help the business build. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I mean, are there other revenue streams or I suppose angles that you've taken at Ms. Jackson to try to, I guess, protect yourself and thrive? Oh, absolutely. You know, having to lean on uh, local schools and, you know, the ways of all of the 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 corporates in the area there's a lot of trying to get marketing out that way it's it's quite a it's an interesting thing to to navigate yeah I mean you really take on so much as a business owner don't you oh absolutely you I've coming as being a chef and coming from a, a senior, a junior sous position, and then coming straight into owning a restaurant, it's it's a huge lesson to learn. <laughs> it sounds like it. My goodness, <laughs> I mean, especially you know, we were chatting at the start about the about the food offering, and you know how you've had to continue to tweak that. Is it a is that is finding the time to be creative a challenge? Um, there is, but when you know that. It's not so much finding the time, it's, it's, it's keeping that motivation, I think, um, of trying to find the things that the community love and the locals love. Um, I, it's not so much the time, I don't think. It's sourcing the ingredients as well, trying to figure out if the people in the Yarra Valley want to cater to us or whether they just want to go to a larger um, wholesaler as well, which I'm finding difficult. It's, it's all, all the above. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting. Cause I mean, often, uh, you know, if I drive out to the Yarra Valley, I've often thought, you know, that you can find more Yarra Valley produce in the center of the city than you can in the, in those suburbs that are on the Yarra Valley's doorstep. Definitely. I've had a lot of conversations with, um, growers out this way. And, um, I think because there's not as many, um, restaurants within the northeastern suburbs they're not willing to travel out to the Yarra Valley and see the produce and talk to the farmers and talk to the growers um, that it's better for them just to supply to whether it be providors and um, wholesalers. Yeah, that whole supply chain is a bit messed up, isn't it? When you think they're dri- the trucks are driving straight past you. To, yeah, it's um, 
yeah, it's, I mean, you can see why, but it's really unfortunate and hopefully you're able to shift that. I suppose you just keep asking the question and you'll get an in eventually, but uh, I guess you've got a lot of things on your your list of, of things to do. So Yes, I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephanie, what are the big satisfactions? Like what do you love about what you do? What are the good days or well, the, good, the good moments? The good moments are being able to feed people the food that you love to make. I mean, seeing families come in here with a huge smile on the face when they leave and enjoying their time, it's, it has to be one of the best feelings. Love it. So when I come to Ms. Jackson, what are you going to put in front of me to get that smile on my face? Oh, gosh. I think, what would I put in front of Danny Vallant? Um <laughs> At the moment, we've got this beautiful crab linguine on that's, um, that has a bit of a twist to it that not a lot of people would think. It's this butter that we've made with guanciale and burnt chilli um, and it's so velvety and not having so many Italians within the area, they kind of second guess um, the way the pasta's made, I guess. <laughs> wow, that sounds really good. I would love you to put that in front of me. Um, that's really exciting. What about a vegetable dish? Because you mentioned you're pretty focused on the veg out there. Yes, at the moment we've got, look, I think even though I'm saying I think everybody's got almost Brussels sprouts on the menu at the moment, but we do these beautiful uh, deep fried Brussels sprouts and they're nothing that compares to anything else. I mean, I've turned so many people to loving Brussels sprouts. It's incredible. Oh, that's good. That's a real, that's a community service as well as a great, a great snack. That's awesome. Oh, and what about a dessert? Have you got something that you'd love me to um, finish with? Oh, one of my favourites at the moment is our poached pear. Um, it's almost a take on, I guess, an apple crumble. So on the bottom, we've got a beautiful poached pear with a milk crumb um, that goes with a yogurt sorbet. It's it's my absolute favourite. I can't have enough of it. Definitely. I am having a big smile on my face while you are presenting that meal to me. That sounds so good, Stephanie. Um, So great to have a chat with you. Uh, I wish you all the best at Ms. Jackson. And yeah, really grateful to you for sharing your story today. It's so, so interesting. Great to get your perspective on the industry. Thanks so much, Danny. Thanks for having me on. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.